And that's your intro. Yes, Metallica, Kill Em All, Seek and Destroy. We're staying with that three weeks in a row. I like to mix it up, but that's what's working right now, and that's what we're doing. So Seek and Destroy, Metallica, in your face, coming at you, seeking out corruption, seeking out bad stuff. Folks, get on the wagon Get those wheels going. Whip the horses. Let's go. If last week's episode wasn't enough for you, Christopher Boland, look, whether he's accurate or not regarding the World Zionist Organization, the likelihood that they have at least a hand In what may have transpired September 11, 2001 is extremely high. I don't know if that attack was a hoax. I don't know if the research that he has done is accurate, but when you listen to him speak, it sure as heck makes sense and it sounds like he's Right on a trail that leads right back to understanding exactly what happened. Because it's becoming ever so common that taking the whole Bin Laden angle just doesn't make any sense. It's kind of like, oh, um, John Fitzgerald Kennedy? And by the way, Ian, oh my gosh, that brings up a great point. Because we're bringing back on the show Mark Shaw. Mark's been previous guest, but we're going to talk about an actress slash investigative journalist, Dorothy Kilgallen. Mark will be rejoining the show next month. And his book, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much? Well, the fact that she knew too much may have a lot to do with the fact that she died suddenly in her New York apartment. So Mark is confirmed to come back on the program because this is this type of information that's so important and what's the connection is what you have to be left asking yourself what is the connection because wait I went from Christopher Bolin my guest of last week to JFK so from a layman's perspective if there is a link, which I'm telling you there is, you kind of pull back and say, it's just the fact that truth doesn't come out. I mean, you look at the Pentagon, for example. A plane was supposed to hit the Pentagon, yet where was the plane? Right. Yeah, where was the plane? 
There's a massive burning hole in the side of a, the Pentagon, but no plane? So I suppose from the layman's perspective, you can say CIA involvement. Okay, welcome to Discussions. I'm your host, Ian Trottier, and I am proud to bring to you, in about 10 minutes, author Ryan Walters. Ryan tells me that State Senator, Mississippi State Senator, Mississippi State Senator, Chris McDaniel, should also be joining us. So, it sounds like in about 10 minutes, we will be graced by a conversation with those two gentlemen regarding the GOP party of Mississippi. Corruption, folks. Mudslinging. Okay. Everything that makes what I do in free radio... And free speech and freedom of press, delightful. Because I get to find stuff, and people come to me now with stuff. I've been doing this for a year. And I get to find stuff that I can pull out a shovel and start digging and help you realize, oh, wait, there's some dirty stuff going on. And this isn't anything new, right? Of course it's not. Next week, we're going to shift gears back into vaccines. And why vaccines? Because not being medically trained, I don't think it really matters. What Barbara Lowe Fisher is doing as co-founder and president of the National Vaccine Information Center and co-author of book A Shot in the Dark brings to light a lot of information that the average parent isn't understanding when they go to vaccinate their kids. And like Karen Hope, parent that I brought on the show, and thanks to Dr. Tenpenny, who was the, the, the guest that day, I gracefully brought in Karen Hope to give the parent parental perspective. If you didn't catch that episode, please go back and listen to it. There are ingredients in vaccines that, yes, not on every child, but the percentages seem to be high that are causing autism in these very undeveloped and weak immune systems that these children have. Okay? So next week we'll have Barbara back on the program. Excuse me, on the program for the first time. We'll follow that with Mark. Um, Ellen Brown... Okay, she's going to come on next month and in February, and she's going to talk about a public banking system. Wait, <laughs> right, that doesn't exist, guys. Yeah, folks, I mean, that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Banking is private in the United States, and that's the first problem, perhaps, is that banking is private. Call me right now and tell me. Who is in the Federal Reserve? Give me the members of the Federal Reserve. Not a single person out there. There's not a single caller out there that can tell me who that is. Because nobody knows. It's a private organization. Others refer to it as a banking cartel. Ellen Brown, J.D. from UCLA, 
who Rose Bird's uh, California Supreme Court justice quoted as saying uh, regarding some of her work that she had done uh, while on the um, uh, the book review, uh, being book review ed- editor at UCLA, quote, an excellent and exhaustive review of case and statutory law regarding people versus privateria. This is a case regards restrictions on alternative medical practitioners in California illegal economic analysis. Yes, restrictions on alternative medical practice. Restrictions. Restrictions? On alternative medicine? Who is who to tell the uh, another person that they cannot seek alternative medicine? Oh, maybe that's symbolic of the pressure that Karen Hope felt when she went to vaccinate her first three kids. And today, 2018, those first three kids all have autism. This woman has a total of five kids, and the latter two who were not vaccinated, who she refused to vaccinate. No, they don't. They don't have autism. It just gets dirtier and dirtier, folks. It gets dirtier and dirtier. And we've received confirmation that in May, it looks like in May, uh, sometime in May, we will be fortunate to bring on to the program former Wall Street executive. And her book will blow you away. Nomi M. Prince. The book that made national and international news, All the President's Bankers, colon, The Hidden Alliances That Drive American Power. Her new book, Collusion, that's a dollar sign there for the S, colon, How Central Bankers Rigged the World. Nomi's quoted as saying, okay, so you're looking at someone who's worked for Goldman Sachs. Uh, she's uh, a graduate of the Leonard N. Stern School of Business. That's NYU. Apart from Goldman Sachs, she spent time at Bear Stearns in the UK and also at Lehman Brothers. This woman is very privy to what's going on in the financial sector globally. And that's why you find the word world in the title of her new book, which will release in May. You can get it pre-ordered right now on Amazon. How central bankers rigged the world. Okay, this is uh, this is a bright light, guys. This is a very bright light. So I'm honored to bring to you these types of guests and talk about these types of subjects. Um, and uh, look, there's, there's just so much that needs to be done. And if you listen to me and you're listening to me right now, stand up, raise your voice, stand up for what you know is right. Okay. If there's corruption going on, if there's, if there's mudslinging, 
clear it up, clean it up. Um. Anyway, be awesome. That's my that's my tagline. That's my motto. You find it on my website, iantrache.com. That's i a n t r o t t i e r dot com. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter. And uh, I'm here every Wednesday for you at five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Okay. Um, you can find all my past episodes archived right on my website. Okay, or you can go to Mixcloud. I believe it's mixcloud.com slash Ian Trottier. That's I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. So let's go to Remember Mississippi. And that's the subject of the book that Ryan and uh, and Chris are expected to uh, to discuss here today. There's a quote that's very important here. Um, and the quote is a Thomas Jefferson quote. I am not a friend to a very energetic government. It is always oppressive. If you're like me, you had no idea what went down in Mississippi recently with Chris McDaniel. If you're like me, you had no idea of the level of corruption in Mississippi. Okay, I believe Arkansas is a state that's in that neighborhood. Okay, geographically speaking, Arkansas. There's a town called Little Rock or Hope. You ever heard of Hope, Arkansas? I believe Bill Clinton is from Hope, Arkansas. Nothing against Bill Clinton. I think he's a great guy. But his politics, there may be some different views in regards to his politics. So what's going on in Mississippi? What went down in Mississippi? We will soon, I will be back, In fact, as a matter of fact, we'll soon have on Ryan Walters and Mississippi State Senator Chris McDaniel. I hope we're expecting. But for sure, Ryan will join us here in a few minutes. I'm cutting to a break, and I'll be right back with uh, Ryan Walters. Radio, la mejor emisora de Wynwood en la Florida. Wow. Wow. 
All right, La Florida. And I'm back. Intro with a little bit of a seek and destroy. Okay, so I'm your host, Ian Trottier. Thanks for tuning in uh, to Winwood Radio. And I have online with me Ryan Walters. Ryan, are you there? I'm here, Ian. Thanks for joining the program, man. And um, again, uh, what you're doing, uh, well, not again, but but uh, thanks for the book. Yeah, that would be the again part. But um, uh, what you're doing is highly important for listeners who just have no clue. And originally, Ryan, I'm from California. I've been in Miami for about four years. And I started this program about a year ago. And the connection to why I started this was to try to raise awareness as to what was going on regarding the Zika and the pesticide issue about a year ago. And Ryan, where that has gone is like an octopus with tentacles here and there and all over the place. And um, <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, last week I had on a guy, uh, Chris Bolin, that wrote a book called Surviving 9-11. Previous to that, I had a, 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 a doctor on, uh, Dr. Sh- Sherry Tenpenny, that's been uh, looking into vaccines for uh, for a while. And um, this week, it's uh, I'm very honored to have, have you on the program. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ryan, if you would. Well, thanks so much for having me, uh, Ian. It's an honor to be on your show. Well, I'm uh, originally a Mississippian. I, I guess I'm a Texan now. I've lived in Texas for the last uh, four years. I was uh, teaching American history out here at a college. And, uh, of course, I'm a, a political operative and a, uh, and a writer. And I'm a good friend with uh, Mississippi Senator Chris McDaniel, who ran against Thad Cochran and uh, – 2014 for the u.s senate and with all that went on with that race and all of the ins and outs of that race became national in scope i decided to write a a book about it because it was so important not just a local issue a mississippi issue but it really had national implications so i just took my writing and research skills and and wrote a book that we called remember mississippi uh, about that campaign and i'm hoping that it um you know, can help people in other states realize what we're up against and what needs to be done um, in the future as far as our politics. Yeah, yeah, and I think it should be uh, it should be a, sta- a, a standard for for many to follow. I've um, gone through the book um, briefly, and there is, you know, there is a there is a. You find this quote here. There's a quote. Um, uh, regarding you know kind of uh, regarding the um, the uh, depth at which which you went into to research this um, and it draws a parallel to what people need to know and have learned about the Alamo I mean it, I, I think that what you've done and what you and Chris did and and, and I don't know you know who did more of the digging if you sounds probably like you since you're the author um, but um, <laughs> Tell us a little bit about just kind of crack the case here. I mean, Mississippi is entwined in corruption from what you're, you know, what you're exposing in this book. And I don't think the average American has any idea. They don't. It kind of shocks people when I tell them that Mississippi, by several organizations, have named Mississippi the most corrupt state. And. A lot of people are shocked by that. Yeah. Because um, when you think of Mississippi, most people in the rest of the country, you think 
rednecks, white trash, you know, <laughs> yeah. Ku Klux Klan, racial hatred, that kind of stuff. It conjures up that image, but that's really not the image any longer. The image is more corruption. Our politics, we don't have the Ku Klux Klan out doing stuff, and it's not, the politics is not based on that. The politics is based on corruption and a political machines that control the state and that kind of thing. It's influence peddling. And the biggest name in Mississippi, as far as that's concerned, is Haley Barber. And most people in the country know who Haley Barber is. Yeah. He was a governor of Mississippi. Uh, but before that, he was the RNC chair. He's, he's one of the most well-known lobbyists. Um, and he controls the political machine in Mississippi, controls the money and the influence and everything. And it's it's it's, it's very corrupt organization and a very powerful one. Um, that's why a lot of people never wanted to run against entrenched incumbents in Mississippi. Why don't you keep your senators so long and congressmen? Because nobody wants to challenge them. Because you don't get grinded up and chewed up and spit out. Uh-huh. But Chris McDaniel did. He said, you know what? Dad Cochran has been there. You know, he's he's been in Congress longer than I've been alive. And I'm 44. Right. Okay. And I've never met the guy. I've never seen him. Uh, long-time spender, big appropriator, porker of the year, all that earmarks and all that kind of stuff. And we keep saying, hey, we're, the, we're one of the most conservative states in the country, supposedly. Yeah. But we got this guy as a senator. So Chris said, you know what? I'm going to challenge this guy. I'm going to see if we really – I want to see where the people and Republicans really are. I'm going to challenge this guy in the primaries. And, of course, we took our first poll, brother. I'm going to tell you, it was rough. <laughs> it's 80 to 20, you know, something sure. like that. Yeah. And no. a lot of people, hey, you know, in, in the press are saying this guy, Cochran's unbeatable. But we ran the race. No one were going up against this machine. No one were going up against their money and their finance apparatus. No one they're going to throw mud at us. No telling what they're going to do. And yeah. in the end, we did win the primary, although we didn't get 50%. And then we had to go to a runoff, and it was an ugly, nasty affair. And we were ultimately beaten after a lot of uh, very shady shenanigans, I'll, I'll say. But the corruption is there. Yeah. And it, it's, it's corrupted, and, and, and it feeds on itself. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you've heard this. There's actually a story about Haley Barber in the news today. Interesting. Here in Mississippi. My blog, my, my website is Mississippi Conservative Daily, and we covered it there. Okay. Uh, they're Uranium One. Haley Barber lobbied in favor of Uranium One. That's the deal that the Clintons were involved in selling 20% of our uranium to the Russians. Mm-hmm. Haley Barber's lobbying group lobbied on behalf of that deal, lobbied on behalf of Uranium One. That's bad enough, but they did not register with the federal government as a foreign agent. If you lobby on behalf of foreign companies or, or countries, you have to register with the Justice Department under the law as a foreign agent. They failed to do that. Uh-huh. And Chuck Grassley, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, has sent a letter to the attorney general saying, why didn't they do it? It's a Podesta group and others, too. But why did they not do it? What are you doing about this? Because remember, back in November or October, when Paul Manafort and Rick Gates, two of Trump's aides, were indicted by right. Mueller, one of the counts was you did not you did not register with the Justice Department as lobbying on, for, on behalf of foreign principles, which ca- carries with each count five years and a slammer and ten thousand dollar fines. So it ain't no, it ain't yeah. no little thing. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. So okay, so um, Tad Cochran, 
uh, or Thad. Uh, he he sits on the uh, the the he sits he sits uh, in, in appropriations. He chairs the appropriations committee. Appropriations committee, and he's in the he's in the U.S. Senate. He's a senator for the uh, for the for the federal government. Um, and uh, your your friend Chris is a current state senator from Mississippi. Now yeah. he lost. Uh, did he lose that first round? To Tad, and then and then has he been and he ran again, and that and that's how he got in uh, for the second time. Is that accurate? Um, is that what happened? No, no, yeah, right, exactly. And, and there's sometimes a little bit of confusion. You know, Chris is a senator in the Mississippi Senate on the state level. Right, Thad's a federal senator, and Chris ran against him in the primary to knock him off. Yeah, and uh, he Chris actually won the primary. Okay. There was actually a there was a there was a third candidate in the race, some nobody that nobody ever heard of, but he got one and a half percent of the vote. We got forty nine point five percent of oh. the vote. Cochran got forty nine percent. Or you know, so we didn't quite get fifty percent. And there's a lot of there was a lot of uh, funny business going on with the vote counting that night because we were above fifty percent for a long time. And one of the key huh. counties around Jackson did. Uh, pulled some funny business. Uh, you know, you see them counting votes, counting votes, and you see the vote totals come in. It got to about 60% of the vote counted in Hines County. And then it stopped. Uh-huh. And it didn't move past the 60% mark until 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Now, anybody that knows anything about American history knows that's the oldest trick in the book. You hold back some boxes and don't count them until you see how many votes you need. They knew they were going to not they knew they were not going to win that night. And it's our belief and there's a lot of funny business on the ground up there that they uh monkey with the votes in that particular county to keep us under 50% because if they keep us under 50% goes to a runoff 3 weeks later. Uh-huh. And of course during that runoff, here comes all the money. Here comes all the mudslinging. I mean they they trashed Chris as a yeah. racist, uh-huh. a bigot. A somebody who was um, friends with the Ku Klux Klan, they ran an ad linking him to the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> and they did a lot of this in predominantly African-American yeah, areas. Sure. And they put out ugly flyers saying, look, he's going to cut off all your food stamps and your welfare and your <laughs> historically black colleges are going to be closed. And you better get out there and vote Republican now in the runoff and, and vote this nasty Tea Party guy out. Or you're going to be out in the street. I mean, that's what they were doing. They were running ads, flyers, everything. So, and yeah. in the runoff, about we 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 gather somewhere between thirty five and forty thousand Democrats voted in the Republican runoff, and we lost the runoff by about five or six thousand votes. So the so uh, they had yeah. to get Democrats to win. That's the point. They had to, and 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 here's right. the other ugly thing. They had tens of thousands of dollars on the street being passed out to people to go vote. We've, we, we, we have evidence that they were paying people $15 a piece to go vote. They were buying votes, buying votes. You have, you have Walking actual around money. You have evidence of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's all kind of people that, that knew what was going on that were calling and saying, look, there's money all over the place up here. Oh my goodness. Oh, they, they said, look, they set up packs that were fake and illegal. I mean, packs that that had never existed, but all of a sudden, in this three week period, here comes all these new packs, flush with cash that never registered with the FEC. Hey, one of them was run out of a church in Ryan, Jackson. You can't do that. 
One second. I got a call coming in. Is that Chris? Has he got a Nevada number? He shouldn't have a Nevada number, but maybe there's somebody cool. In Hold on a second. Let me cut the break here. All right. You there, Chris? Or Ryan, you there? Hold on a second. All right, you there now? No. I'm bringing back in. Sorry, sorry, folks. Ryan, you there? Okay, you there? I'm just trying to get this connection going back on. So, uh... no, it's still not there. Okay, sorry about this. That's it. How about that? Ryan? Okay. Uh, technical difficulty. I'm going to cut to break. Ryan, if you can hear this. Uh, I'll, I'm I gonna, can hear you. Oh, now you're, you're back. Okay, great. All right. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, go ahead and, and, and continue where, where, where I cut you off. Yeah, we were uh, just discussing the shenanigans in the runoff and all of these illegal packs uh, that, that popped up. Again, one of them was run out of a church. That violates the IRS code. It was never registered with the FEC. That violates laws. Had all kind of money that came into that. And we it was being traced back to not only Haley Barber, it was traced back to the Republican National Committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Republican Party was pumping money in there that ultimately ended up in the hands of these people to run these nasty ads. Even the, uh, even one senator from Ohio, Rob Portman, even came out after the race and said, I'm very upset that the money that I gave uh, ended up with these race baiting ads and things. Mm-hmm. So there's clear connections. And if you read my book, Remember Mississippi, I, I draw all the dots there. You can see all the money. This was a, the National Republican Party that went after a conservative and wrecked his reputation and trashed him um, to keep one of these rhino establishment guys in there. Yeah, so and let's, why? Yeah, go ahead. Right. That's right. Exactly. Cochran, Cochran is the chairman of the Appropriations Committee. He is he's he's keeping the spigots open. Haley Barber uses him for his lobbying partner. Hey, you know, we, his lobbying firm and his partners, and they can go out and lobby and say, hey, I control the appropriations chairman, so I can get you whatever you want. It's money, 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 money. So, Ryan, what is what is that? What's the appropriations chairman? What do they do exactly? The appropriations chairman is the one that's in charge of the— All the money. He controls the money, all the appropriations <laughs> that come through in the budget. So— Having the chair, the chairman is that's a very that's one of the most powerful positions yeah. in Congress. Is chairing that, is controlling that money. He decides what appropriation bills and what's in those bills, and all the little goodies and things. That's why our you know that's why we're twenty one trillion dollars in debt and all of that. Because this one gets a piece and this one gets a right. piece and everybody gets a piece. It's all influence peddling, and that's what it's that's 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 why they don't want these conservative insurgents, people like Chris McDaniel and others. They don't because that'll stop. Right. They don't want budget cutters. They don't want budget hawks. They want people that's going to spend money. Then, even though we're talking about Republicans, which is supposed to be the conservative party. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's all about money. Let's let's follow the trail a little bit down here, and um, you know we've heard we've heard the uh, perhaps uh, we've heard the connection with the uh, with Clinton out of Arkansas, and then uh, you know running. Uh, 
running. You know, so, so in Miami, you get a lot. You get a lot of the uh, obviously the cocaine trade going through uh, going through South South Florida. But uh, what a lot of people perhaps don't realize is that um, the another entry point for that for that trade was uh, was through Arkansas. And 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 the 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 Bill Clinton politics have a lot of fingerprints all over all over that. But mm-hmm. Mississippi is kind of in that general neighborhood. And in your book, you go into um, tobacco and big oil, and you draw, you know, right. Trent Law, and then you you go back with Haley Barber going back into, uh, you know, supporting the the, the Carter, and then influencing uh, elements of the Reagan. And talk a little bit about that, so that historically listeners can understand where Mississippi is and the power that they hold in regards to you know those two industries, perhaps. Uh, and then you know, obviously the the Al Pacino, Russell Crowe uh, movie, The Insider. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. The tobacco was a big thing because Mississippi sort of was a leadoff batter on suing the tobacco companies back in the 90s. Of course, Mississippi's all we've always been a broke state. I mean, we're still a broke state. Mm. And even though we've had money mm-hmm. come through there, who knows what – well, I know what happened to it. It <laughs> went into a lot of pockets. But yeah. uh, we've done a lot of you – know, we legalized gambling, uh, dockside gambling in 19, around 1990. That you know, a lot of the baddest groups fought that tooth and nail, but we got that. And that brought in a lot of revenue of the casinos. Of course, Hurricane okay. Katrina wrecked most of that. But anyway, but it was, it, you know, it legalized whiskey before that. Everything we'd done, it was always, we need more money to do this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And tobacco was the next thing. And it was Mississippi lawyers that came up with that plan. Hey, I know what. Let's sue the tobacco companies. You know, we got a lot of medical bills and smoking-related uh, illnesses and things. And let's sue them. And that's what they did, mm-hmm. what, uh, whether that was legal or not, which is the way they did it. Uh, they got private lawyers to do it, uh, named them special attorney general. And, and these lawyers, um, supposed to be arguing on behalf of the state, they got a, they operate on a contingency fee, whatever they got out of it, you know, uh, uh, you know, a third of the whole take or whatever. And, of course, it ultimately was successful and Mississippi. Uh, got it shared. Of course, that's when all the other states came on board. Hey, we want to get in on this too. And the, and the tobacco companies had to pay out billions of dollars in settlement to the states. And Mississippi got several billion dollars. Uh, who knows what we did with it? I, I, nobody knows. Uh-huh. Kind of a big mystery. Supposed to go for this, that, and the other. But but but, but during the nineties, we had a conservative governor. When all that money started coming in, he was very fiscally conservative. Hey, we're not going to blow all this money. We're going to. We had a large rainy day of fund. We had a balanced budget. We were generating a surplus. Um, and of course, he left. We had a Democrat in the late '90s, and they blew through every bit of that money. And we're back to being broke. We're still back to being broke. So th- that was all corrupt. The way it was done was probably not even legal to go out and get private lawyers to do that. But then the legislature made it legal. <laughs> By passing a law saying, yeah, they can do that. And of course, the, the attorney that was the lead attorney, and he was the one of the focus of that movie, the Al Pacino movie, uh-huh. The Insider. Yeah. Uh, Dickie Scruggs. Uh, rumors are he got a billion dollars out of that. And is this a Mississippi guy? Yeah. Yeah. He's, cause he, he's, he's disbarred and just got out of prison because he was trying to bribe a, a judge on another case. Um, but who cares? I mean, he got a billion dollars out of that. But he said he got about three hundred million, but other people said he got probably a billion dollars. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that is. And of course, there were rumors that Trent Lott had his hand in it. Yeah. And 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 that's why he left the Senate. And I think because he because Dickie Scruggs and 
is uh, Trent Lott's brother-in-law. Isn't that a nice connection? Ah, oh, there you go, Ryan. This but you got kinda, these yeah. connections. Right, exactly. All these people are connected. They all went to school together. They know each other. This one's related to that one and married to that one, and this one worked for that one. They all like that. It's only a few families in Mississippi that actually control the whole thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which, which, and I'm sure Florida yeah. may be the same way. I've never dug into Florida politics, but I'm sure people in Florida could dig it, and you'll probably find out you've got some kind of machine and some kind of operation just like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the Bushes have a big uh, footprint down here as well, as you would know. Uh, um, uh, W's, uh, what was his brother, was was the governor uh, down here. Um, but regardless, what we're talking about is it, it these this type of power brokering keeps the little guy, and I'm going to say Chris represents the little guy because uh, right. exactly. sounds like he's from a, an average. American upbringing, not not wealthy, not you know he didn't have uh, didn't have uh, a silver spoon fed to him, and, and he fought tooth and nail, and he broke down some of the some of this uh, some of this layering. But if we can go, we can stay on this tobacco road because I I, I want listeners to really understand where this uh, uh, Cochran uh, player got his power, and 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 even though even though Chris, it sounds like. It sounds like he may not have legitimately lost. It sounds pretty close, 49-49 um, uh, or 49-50 with the we, 1%. We say he won. I mean, he, he actually yeah. won, we think, both rounds. But he definitely won the second. He, he, it sounds like he ran again and he won, right? Yeah. Well, the, in the runoff, yeah. No, we, we, we officially lost the runoff, but if you take away the Democrats that they bribed to vote in the Republican runoff, yeah. If you look at just Republican votes, we won by 10 points. But in Mississippi, uh-huh. and this, this might clear it up a little bit, in Mississippi, you don't register by party. You just register to vote. You can vote in any primary you want to run, vote in. You can, I mean, you don't have to stay with the same one. You can change, not in the same year, but let's just say one year I vote Democrat. The next year I want to vote Republican. I can, I can do that. Now, here's where, it's, here, here's where it comes tricky. If you vote in one party's primary, you cannot vote in the other party's runoff if there is one. For example, Democrats that voted in the primary on the Democratic side can't then say, "Okay, there's a Republican runoff. I'm going to go run. I'm going to go vote in the runoff in three weeks. Can't Uh do that. Uh And we had thousands that we know of democrats who had already voted in the democratic primary on june the 3rd 2014 then during the runoff on june the 24th 2014 they 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 moved over and voted in the republican runoff to vote for thad and against chris we have absolute evidence of that absolute proof that happened so what did did this go to court you know some of this evidence that you, yep. you they went to court so what, what happened there that was a see that was the thing do, do we sue over this and people that looked at it were was tell were telling Chris the night he lost the runoff said you need to sue over this don't don't concede he's actually never conceded even to this day he's never conceded he uh but he they said you got to sue he even asked me uh like the next day he said do you think I ought to sue him I said yeah you ought to sue him because that because the anger was building around the country. We were getting reports from people around the country that watched that race. And I'm talking about Tea Partiers and conservative activists and grassroots people. 
that were that were livid. I mean, Hannity Hannity had it on, and and Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh, and people were just livid about what had happened. And so you got a lot of support at your back. So he decided to file a lawsuit. Of course, you've got to gather the evidence, you know, and and you got to have time to do that and go to court, present your evidence. And, of course, we had all the evidence um, there. But, of course, the court threw it out on a technicality. What was that? What was the technicality? there, There was a there was a rumor that there was a 21 day deadline in the law to challenge an election. You only had 21 days to file it. We filed it on about the 40th day. But the 21-day rule that's in the law didn't apply to a statewide race. I mean, how can you gather evidence in 21 days? Yeah, yeah. And so there was an argument back and forth. Wait a minute, does the 21-day rule apply or not? Our legal team said, no, it doesn't. That This is a statewide race. Well, the judge said, well... No, you didn't do it in 21 days. I'm throwing this out because you didn't file in time. We appealed it to the state Supreme Court to see what they would say, and they ruled against us four to two with three justices recusing themselves that the 21-day rule applied, which is total which is total BS. I mean, that, that rule does not apply. That was just some little niche in the law that they found to keep from having to put that evidence out in the open and have to argue that evidence in court. They were going to lose it, and they knew they were going to lose it. So we just won't hear it at all. So the merits of the case have never been heard in court. Um. Okay. So who who are some of the backers of Chris? Because you know, from from a from a guy that that you know built himself a huge a huge following. Um, who are some of the the big uh, the big backers in Mississippi? Uh, is he getting? Sounds like uh, the um, the the Tad Tad Cochran side uh, uh, was going after you know going after the African American uh, neighborhoods and communities. Uh, who who ended up supporting uh, McDaniel? Well, Chris actually got a lot of national support. It was actually a national race, and that became an issue because we had a lot of outside. Uh, organizations and and that came to help because they realized, hey, that Cochran's a, that's a big uh, scout. We can nail to the wall. So he had Club for Growth and and Freedom Works was a big help. The Senate now the Senate Conservatives Fund, which was started by Mike Lee and Ted Cruz, uh, they came in uh, to help. Had a lot of a lot of uh, you know Ron Paul came and Rick Santorum and, and Sarah Palin and a lot of people like that. So it became a very national race. It was covered nationally, mm-hmm. um, particularly some of the incidents that happened, uh, un- some of the unfortunate incidents that happened uh, was covered extensively. So we ended up, of course, we didn't have nearly the resources that the Cochran team did. I mean, Cochran raised a million dollars one night. In, in about in about a thirty minute period, they raised a million dollars. Gosh, it would it would have taken us two months to raise a million dollars. Yeah, uh, they did it in about thirty minutes one night. So they had the money. We had the message. We had. Uh, and what was the grassroots that? and what was that a, message? A, a true conservative message, and that's one thing that we yeah. wanted to do with this race. Cochran says he's a conservative, but is he? Well, he's not conservative start, with the spending, is he? 
<laughs> no, and he's not conservative with anything else. I mean, you tear apart his record, and I did that, and we started putting that stuff out there. Yeah. Built a big social media following and a, a social media network. We were able to. Uh, we created several websites. We were able to spread the message, and people started seeing what he had actually supported over his forty years. His support started melting away. Uh huh. And uh-huh. Uh, it, it fell apart quick. Um, and they started, of course, they started putting out false polls saying, okay, he's, he's 17 or 18 uh, points ahead, but we knew that was not the case. And about a month or so, well, a little more than a month before the primary vote on June the 3rd, solid polls had us anywhere from six to eight points in the lead. And then, of course, we had an unfortunate incident that happened that, that went all over the news. You, some, some of your listeners probably remember it. It was the infamous nursing home break-in. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, the, kind of the you know Magnolia State goes Watergate type, type incident that um, was nothing to do with us, just some imbeciles that went out and did something really stupid because Thad uh, Cochran's wife was in a nursing home. She was suffering from Alzheimer's. Had been in there since the year 2000, was in really bad shape. But he was, you know, escorting his secretary around town and had been doing that for years. So a lot of people just naturally assumed that was Mrs. Cochran. They didn't know the real story, which we didn't go get into that. I mean, Chris was like, look, I'm not running a campaign on adultery. I'm running a campaign on conservatism and spending and cutting taxes and cutting government. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this stuff. Well, these numbskulls decided it would be good to go out and expose this. We need to show people that that's not his wife, that he's messing around with somebody and why his wife's laying up in the his yeah. nursing home. So they go into the nursing home one night, one of them does, to take a picture of this poor old lady laying in her bed. And they put together this crude internet video and put it out there at the end of April and said, here is Thad Cochran's real wife, and this is who he's catting around with. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, of course, the campaign found out about it, and Chris said, whoever did that, get it off. We're not doing this kind of stuff. I don't want to see that again. It's got class. Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, they the Cochran campaign found out about it uh, and went to the authorities eventually. They didn't go immediately to the authorities. They eventually went to the authorities three weeks later, and these guys were arrested. It became a huge story. That oh gosh, we had we had orchestrated this break in and had exploited this old woman, and which we did. We had no connection to it at all, which begs a question: If Chris McDaniel had wanted to do that, which would have been stupid, we were six or eight points up. Why would you want to go do something that's foolish? Yeah. But if he wanted to do it and wanted to put that out there and smear uh, Thad Cochran, why did he order the video down immediately when it came up? Right. We got that thing down. I mean, I, I was a recipient of one of the campaign-wide emails that said, whoever put this up, get it down. So but so the idea was to connect Chris McDaniel, his campaign, to the nursing home. You did this. And we lost about eight points in about three days. My goodness. We're actually probably behind after that happened. People thought we had something to do with it. Why wouldn't they? And, of course, I detail this in the book exactly what happened with this. And it's how it is the fact that the Cochran campaign held on to this information. I prove it definitively for political gain. They waited 
on over into May to release the information to get the police to arrest these guys because they didn't want to do it in April because if they did it in April, we could have recovered. They wanted to do it really close to the primary so we didn't have time to recover. And it was a fight. Man, it was a dog fight to try to get over that hurdle. But we did, and we actually came out on top on the primary. But like I said, we didn't have we didn't have 50%. So if it hadn't have been for those imbeciles, you and I are not having this conversation because we would have won the primary, won the race, and I never would have wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but that's a, what we call in politics an October surprise. Hold on to something until right before an election right. and then release it where they can't recover. That's it. They denied it, but I proved definitively they held that information for three weeks. I mean, you go into somebody's, uh, the, the wife of a candidate's nursing home room and take a picture like that and put it out on the Internet. Look, you and I, would I would have jumped up and down and had the police on them immediately. I wouldn't have sat out and said, how can I use this politically to help me? Yeah. And that's what they, that's the kind of people we're talking about, Ian. We're yeah. talking about people that'll do something like that without a thought about it. You right. think they care about the little folks that's listening to this uh, broadcast? You think they care about you? They don't. Right. They don't at all. And those people need to be swept out of office. That's it. Now, Ryan, uh, go into a little bit of the implication that, uh, or, or rather the uh, reverberation, the the waves that this caused that, that affected uh uh, the Trump campaign. Yeah, that's that's one of the uh, one of my theories. <laughs> anyway, uh, was and that was kind of shocking the amount of national anger from from other candidates, from the conservative media, uh, from grassroots activists across the country. I mean, it got that. That was one of the things that kind of compelled Chris to to file the lawsuit and fight because he had so, there was so much of that anger out there. He said, man, people are mad. Of course, the way it is in American politics and in our country generally, we, we, we tend to have a short, you know, memory span. We don't attention span our memory. You know, we forget things. We go off to the next story and forget it. So as 2014 played out into 2015, I wasn't thinking about writing a book. I was, you know, teaching my college history courses yeah. and going on about my business. But we started getting these um, – Chris started getting emails from people all over the country. And as the presidential campaign started, I, you know, you noticed Ted Cruz and, and Donald Trump and these anti-establishment candidates jumped to the front. I mean, Trump's out there saying all kind of wild stuff. And right. he's, 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 I, I thought, why is this happening? What, what, what's going on? Why, you know, this is good that people are angry and going for people like, well, why? He was getting emails and people were telling him in, in messages on Facebook. He said, people were, you know, calling Chris and saying, look, I'm, I'm supporting Trump because of what they did to you. This is retaliation against the establishment. And then later on, Eric Erickson, when he was still at Red State, wrote an article, um, and it was entitled The Chris McDaniel Legacy Haunts the Republican Party. And this was right uh, during the run-up to the primaries. He was hearing the same thing around the country, that this was reverberating, that people were retaliating for the awful smear campaign in Mississippi. <clears throat> so that became one of my themes of the book. I dug into it more, uh, got more evidence, and, and basically what I'm saying is – is if that hadn't happened to, to Chris McDaniel right. in Mississippi, I don't believe Trump gets the nomination, maybe not even Cruz. Who knows? I don't think the anger was there, but obviously it was there. Two-thirds of the, of the 
Republican primary voters were picking Cruz and, and, and Trump and Rand Paul and Ben Carson and people like that. <laughs> look at look at Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush raised over a hundred million dollars and got <laughs> three delegates. <laughs> yeah. Three. Three delegates, uh, yeah. Others others dropped out before they ever got to a vote. They were being smashed by this wave, this insurgency that everybody was recognized. Even Haley Barber recognized it. Uh, he was asked, "Why? Why? What, what is this? Why? Why are people backing Trump? Can you explain that?" And he said, "Well, people are mad." And he said, "They want to flip Washington the bird. And he's the biggest giant middle finger they got." Right, right, right. I said, "Well, they, they want to flip the establishment the bird, and that, and that, and part of that is you, sir." <laughs> you said so, that. Well, you wanted to not directly to his face. I couldn't <laughs> get it. <laughs> I can't get around these people. They, they know me too well. But, um, um, I, you know, I certainly put it out on Twitter and, and in Facebook. I say, yeah, you got that wrong. It's, it's directed at you, and that kind of thing. And I think that's true. Um, and that's what Remember Mississippi is about. That's why I called the book that. Is that people need to right. understand that story, remember what happened, and keep your foot on the gas. Don't back off. And 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 and. You know, and say, well, we, we, we won this election just to get it. No, there's a congressional election this year. Let's wipe some out. Right. It's like Chris may run against Roger Wicker, our other senator. Yeah. Hey, that's great. Get behind, get behind somebody in your state. You know, y'all, y'all got a couple in. I mean, I don't know how you feel about Rubio, but you, you can get rid of Nelson. I think he's up this year, isn't he? <laughs> get a good conservative in there. <laughs> yeah. Because we see the problems in the Senate, don't we? The Senate's oh, yeah. what's bogging down. McConnell and those people need to the, the, those people need to be ousted sounds like and there's no reason for them not to change that filibuster rule and start pushing conservative agenda through the senate but they won't do it sounds like feinstein has been uh she's been she's been in uh, california senate for quite a while <laughs> yeah some of these folks right. just staying a little too long well that's that's the point and i think it'd be a good campaign theme for somebody out there look it's 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 congress is public service it's not a retirement home <laughs> I mean, Feinstein's what? She's getting close to 80. If she's not 80, she's running again. I mean, they stay till they die. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, Thad Cochran is having – he's having mental issues. We're hearing he's probably going to step down sometime maybe this year. Um, he's getting lost and forgetting where he is and forgetting who he's talking to. And he's having some – he doesn't need to be there if he doesn't even know – I mean, you, you've been in a, you've been in a Congress for over 40 years and you get lost – Maybe you need to go home. Yeah, it might be time uh, for you to. Yeah, uh, are we getting good representation for somebody that can't even remember he was? You know, he had an episode where he was interviewed by a reporter, and then a few minutes later he walked back up to the reporter and stuck out his hand and said, "I'm hi, I'm Thad Cochran." Uh, excuse me, uh, Senator, you just had an interview with him. <laughs> he didn't remember. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, time to go home. Yeah, um, that's what's happened. I mean, it's, it, the Senate's becoming an, an, you know, an. an Old folks home and McCain and others, and, and they need to get gone. All these old establishment types need to get gone. And hopefully we get younger conservatives like McDaniel that want to do something. We need some more Mike Lees and Rand Pauls that are fighting for serious budget cuts, that are fighting to stop FISA surveillance and that kind of thing instead of just letting it go. So how long has uh, Chris been in the uh, Mississippi State Senate? He was first elected in 2007. Um and he's a, an attorney, and we're both from Jones County, Mississippi, and he's an attorney there and a very good attorney. And uh, 
and was a, and was a was here's the thing he was considered the top rising star in the Republican Party before he ran against Cochran nationally I mean, he was or selected, in the state in the state uh, in the state yeah yeah but people were looking at him nationally I mean he was he was getting noticed nationally because of what he was doing particularly his fight against eminent domain reform. Um, stopping the government from uh-huh. taking people's land and giving it to private corporations. They were doing that in Mississippi when Haley Barber was the governor. He fought to get that stopped so that they can't do that anymore. And he was getting noticed. Yeah. And and the papers and the political organizations said, you know, this is a guy that's going to be a senator or governor one day. And so he was considered that. In other words, he was considered in the family, if you will, until he stepped out there and challenged Thad Cochran. As soon as he did that, he became the devil. Now, you don't find positive articles about him. The columnists and the major papers and everything, everything they can do to rip him, they rip him. Which he likes. He said, you know, if you don't have any enemies, you're not doing something right. Yeah, well... Maybe Churchill said that. If you don't have any enemies, exactly. You gotta sure. have enemies. If you're, if, you're, if you're getting along with everybody, something's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, any, any press is uh, good press, according to Donald Trump, right? Right. So (laughs) we got plenty of negative. There's no question about that. What's um, that? So what is um? Let's uh, you know, I'd love to uh, I'd love to see if we can get uh, go over a little bit. See if we can get uh, Chris on the show. Maybe you maybe you could uh, give him a call. See if he uh, see if he's got a minute just to come on. Um, What's uh, what's the next uh, project for you? What are you are you getting back into teaching your classes? You got another project book you're working on? (laughs) Well, I'm actually I just submitted a proposal to write a book on. President Warren Harding that the publisher likes. I'm just waiting for a green light on that. But I'm actually waiting to see what uh, Chris does. Obviously, yeah, he's gearing up for either another Senate race or a lot of people want him to run for lieutenant governor, um, which will be open in 2019. And lieutenant governorship in a lot of states is weak, but in Mississippi, it's very powerful. Um, the lieutenant governor has a lot of influence. A lot of people said, you know, you can you can get right in that seat probably very easily and really make change, at least for the state, very quickly. But others say, well, we know we need you in the Senate because we've got to we've got to do something national. We need another Mike Lee or Ted Cruz up there. Yeah. Um, and so I think he's leaning more towards the U.S. Senate. So we may be teeing it up and kicking it off here in another couple of weeks and with another run uh, for the Senate. So if we do that, I'm going to be either – with the campaign or working for one of his packs. I mean, we've got a couple of packs now. Uh, we got money in the, in the bank and a great organization, a lot more organization we had last time we ran. Uh-huh. So we got, we got, we got county chairman and, uh, and precinct captains across the state. So we've got the apparatus built for a statewide run. It's just waiting for him to decide exactly which direction he wants to go. And yeah. I think that decision would be, Pretty, pretty quick. So I'll be back throwing elbows probably. Or if not, I'll write another book or two and teach. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. Um, Ryan, let's uh, cut to a break, and uh, maybe we could try Chris, see if we can get him on the phone. What do you think? I'll try it. All right. We'll cut to a break. You're uh, with Discussions. I'm your host, Ian Trache, Winwood Radio. We'll be back with Ryan Walters and uh, quite possibly with, uh, with uh, Chris McDaniel. Cutting to a break. Uh, right now, we'll be right back.
Right, we're back uh, with Ryan Walters. Uh, you've joined uh, Discussions, uh, the weekly program on Winwood Radio. I'm your host, uh, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Today we are discussing uh, Remember Mississippi. And Remember Mississippi alludes to the fact that, hey, Mississippi used to be a conservative state. And what Ryan is arguing is... Part of being conservative means being transparent. Ryan, do you agree with that? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, that's kind of the whole crux of it, right, is, is uh, look, the fabric from which, uh, you know, not only Mississippi, but from which this country and the Constitution was built on is, is being just that, is being transparent. And, and I like to, uh, you know, I like to, to draw on that quote that you, uh, that you've got. And that is, I'm not a friend of a, to a very energetic government. It is always oppressive. Exactly. Jefferson. That's Thomas Jefferson. And, 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 and that is, that is the crux and the point of what you are conveying in this book. And that is exactly what, uh, your friend uh, and current senator um, Chris McDaniel uh, ran on. Uh, he's calling in right now, Ryan. I'm going to bring him in. Great, Chris. Hi, are you there? Ryan, are you there? Hold on a second. Who have I got? Ryan, are you there? Hey, you're breaking up just a bit. Can you hear me? Yes, Chris, I can hear you. All right, outstanding. Welcome to Discussions. I'm the host, Ian Trottier, uh, and thanks for taking your time to come on to uh, Winwood Radio. Ryan, do we still have you on the line? I'm here. Chris, uh, dude, it sounds like you are... Um you, you're you're like a Robin Hood man for for Mississippi. You are like the classic kind of standard and example that we want every uh, young politician that wants to stand up to corruption and um and, and and lies across the board. You are what they they should be following. Chris, how did you do what you did? And tell us a little bit about that that path that you walked. Man, it was a combination of several things. And by the way, I appreciate your kind words. Uh, thank you. Um, it really does begin and end with the people. And, you know, bear in mind that the core root of conservatism, of liberty-minded constitutionalism, is Jeffersonianism and the idea that the people are supposed to hold the power. Mm -hmm. The people of this country are starting to sense this massive disconnect yeah. between regular folks on the ground in Washington, D.C. They know Washington's not listening. They know Washington is corrupt, that it's broken. And so what we did, we felt that disconnect, and we felt this need for a philosophical debate on those issues. We jumped in, we fought hard, and the people responded. And, and we're just getting started. We think this fight is far from over. Love it. I, I love it. I mean, you were you were taking on. Uh, I'm a Californian. I've been in I've been in Florida for for about four years. Um, you know, Mississippi doesn't get a whole lot of 
limelight doesn't get a whole lot of time uh, economically. A lot of that light gets shown on to larger powers like New York or, or, or California, especially L.A. or San Francisco. But what people don't realize is that M- Mississippi is very instrumental. And what you were taking on when you ran against the Goliath in, in, in Tad Cochran were, were a lot of points that, that Ryan brought out in his book, and that is big tobacco and big oil. Um, and you face that with being homegrown and being honest and fighting the fighting fighting the uh, fighting the good fight. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's a fair assessment. You know, the thing is that when we ran against Stan Cochran, bear in mind that he was up to be chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee. So you're talking about the most powerful senator in the uh, U.S. Senate, perhaps besides Mitch McConnell, and then magnifying the problem was Haley Barber, which is the ultimate lobbyist, the ultimate insider, the ultimate D.C. power player. And Haley, of course, was the primary person behind Thad's candidacy in 2014. So we're running not just against Senator Cochran, who was a legend in his own right, but you're running against the entire machine, the entire establishment on both sides. And it, it was a heck of a fight, but it was a fight that was worth having if for no other reason than to expose this really nasty underbelly of the party. And that is a group of core establishment insiders that are more concerned about perpetuating their own power, their own wealth, as opposed to doing the right thing. And so we fought, we ran, we feel like we won, obviously. Yeah. And but for 40,000 Democrats to move into the primary, we would have won. So we're just uh, reloading, rearming, and getting ready for the next round, whatever that might be. Yeah, and so what's what's the um, what's the next round for you? It, it, Tad Cochran uh, sits in. The, he's a federal senator. He sits on Capitol Hill right now as a chair of the Appropriations Committee. That's a really big position. But like uh, we were discussing with Ryan, it looks like he may be having some health issues. I drew a parallel to Dianne Feinstein in California. Uh, Ryan Ryan came back and says, "Look, you know, senators go. They go into the the the, the U.S. Senate." Uh, for retirement, that's where you know, it's like a nursing home for these people. Um, yeah. There's an issue there. We got to have more turnover. Um, what are your comments and thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big believer, obviously, in term limits, and I know that to a small percentage of the conservative base, they would argue that we already have term limits. And and I would suggest that if you believe that, try to run against the chairman of the United States Appropriations uh, Senate Committee. Uh, there, there's no real fair election because of the distortion in power among money and among the power elite that just making certain candidates almost impossible uh, to win. We have to find ways to shock the system at this stage. Our system is broken. It's failing. Uh, the, the federal government has moved beyond its constitutional boundary, right. and we have to find a way to sort things back out. The way to do that, in my mind, would be to replace these uh, congressmen and senators in Washington, D.C. So naturally, anything we can do to, and I I hate to use the phrase, drain the swamp, anything we can do to drain the swamp, we need to experiment with that. Yeah, that 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 sounds great. And, and you are you are getting you're getting a, a movement that is that is strongly supporting you there in Mississippi. What does it look like nationally yeah, for you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a combination of, of local and national support. We were very fortunate in fourteen to have everyone from Sean Hannity to Laura Ingram to even Rick Santorum and Ron Paul uh, to endorse us. Even Donald Trump endorsed us. In really? 2014. Now, naturally, that's true. Yeah. Now. Now, granted, his um, his endorsement in 2014 didn't quite mean quite as much then as it does now, mm-hmm. but um, he did. He was in the fight too with us. So, it's a national movement. It's a state movement. 
But ultimately, what we recognize is, is that states like California, states like Maine, for example, mm-hmm. they're never going to elect strong conservatives to the U.S. Senate. Yeah. So we reach out to conservatives in those states, and we remind them that if you want a voice, you're going to have to find that voice somewhere else in the country. Maybe Texas, maybe Louisiana, maybe Mississippi. The Deep South still has conservative fighters. You send us there, we'll set this thing straight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's that's fantastic. So, what's the what's your what's your next step? It sounds like Ryan's Ryan's saying you're you 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 might be staying local. You might go national. What's where are you going to have the most impact? It sounds like your voice is caring. It's growing. Yeah. You know that's the million dollar question, and I've asked myself that uh, many times every day. Uh, where can I best serve the conservative, liberty minded movement? Is it going to be a national seat? Is it going to be a state seat? Mm-hmm. And depending on the day, depending on who I'm discussing the issue with, those opinions vary. What I do know is that we have to dislodge the system as presently configured. And if I can do that better in Washington and spread that message of liberty there, I will. If it's better to start locally and use states to push back against the federal government and reestablish state sovereignty, I'll do it there. We just have to pick up wins, and we need to. And when that happens, bear in mind, it's bigger than one person. It does mean no good at all to advance myself, only to stand alone. We have to advance others across the board, city councils, mayors, state legislatures, wherever the case may be, conservatives have to rise to reclaim this country. And it's, and like I said earlier, it starts with the people. got to wake up. If they'll just wake up and energize themselves like they did in 16, there's nothing we can accomplish, but we can't be complacent. We can't sit back and, and think we've got this thing won. We're going to work near a victory. So um, if people like you, people like Ryan, to spread the word, that's, that's right. our chance. It, that's our chance, information. And if we get information out there, we'll be successful. So I thank, I thank both you guys for coming on the program today. We've gone a little bit over. Chris, thanks for taking the time. I wanted to uh, briefly um, just run this name by you. I don't know if you're aware of her or not, but she, uh, I've spoken with, uh, with, with the party that represents her. She'll be coming on the program in, in, in the next few months. Uh, Nomi Prince, who is a former Wall Street executive, and her book made uh, international uh, acclaim, really. All the President's Bankers, colon, The Hidden Alliances That Drive American Power. Her newest book uh, is uh, Collusion, and that's S with a, with, a, with, a, with a dollar sign, How Central Bankers Rigged the World. So uh, are you familiar with Nomi Prince? Chris, are you familiar with Nomi really Prince? I'm not. I mean, I okay. the individual you're speaking of. I'm not. And bear in mind, I apologize. The phone is going in and out, so I missed part of that. Okay, no, no problem. Nomi Prince uh, will be joining the program. Uh, her book, Collusion: How Central Bankers Rigged the World. She's going to talk about that. She's a former uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, Lehman Brothers, uh, and and Bear Stearns uh, executive. Um, but but wow. but her 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 book. Uh, her book exposed a lot of the banking and 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 is this we're concentrating on a national thing and, and certainly state by state and, and it starts just like you said in your community like me I'm in the, in the little neighborhood called Winwood in Miami my show's growing I've been doing it for a year that's that's what we've got to do we've got to start grassroots and just grow and grow and grow but the bigger yep. picture is these things. You, know, you you talk about Thomas Jefferson. These are these international banking organizations. You know, our founding fathers were were, were fighting a very similar fight. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. anyway, and yeah. Go Jefferson ahead. would have been appalled. He would have been appalled. 
I think I think you're darn right. You're absolutely right. Some of the filthy stuff that's going on right now, um, they they would they would uh, they would be shaking their head. I, I agree. I completely agree with you, Chris. Absolutely. Guys, thanks for coming on the show. Um, you keep me informed with uh, with what you're going to do if you're going to if you run run for U.S. Senate or if you're going to stay in there for Lieutenant Governor. Let me know, and I'm happy to, happy to bring you back on and, and talk about uh, talk uh, talk about you another time. Man, I would love that. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Uh, over and out. Okay, when would radio? of Miami, Florida. Thanks for joining discussions. Um, Look, remember Mississippi, there is a movement. There is a movement that is growing. And it's gaining in power, folks. And that movement is your voice. What I do is I come on every Wednesday to broadcast this program in this show to amplify your voice. But that's what this movement is. It's your voice. And things are not going to change unless you and I and us and we continue to talk and raise our voices. So together, we make change. Together, we change the world. Together, we fight. And we will continue to do that. I praise Chris and Ryan and what they've done in Mississippi politics. They're tearing down walls, folks. They're tearing those walls down. And Ryan said it perfectly. He said it absolutely beautifully. Senators go into the Capitol Hill to retire. It's like their nursing home. And who is that costing? It costs you and it costs me. And it's corrupt and it's stinky and it smells and we've got to put an end to it. So regardless of your political party, regardless of your political affiliation, get behind what's happening with guys like Chris McDaniel. Whether you agree with him or not politically, what you need to identify are the roots that are funding the existing powers, folks, because it's not good. And it needs to stop if you care about your country and your constitution. And if you halfway respect the founders that started this place. Because look, whether it's Republican or it's Democrat, they're both frying fish, folks. And you're buying the oil. In fact, You've bought the fish and you don't even realize it and you're paying for the gas on the oven that you bought. And you don't even have a seat at the table. You don't even have the thought of a seat at the table. So stand up and fight. 
That's all we can do, folks. That is all we can do. I thank again Ryan S. Walters and Senator U.S. Mississippi, excuse me, Mississippi State Senator Chris McDaniel for taking their time out to join the program. I come to you every Wednesday, like I mentioned, 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Follow me on Instagram, Ian Trottier, that's I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Follow me on Twitter, I-E-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Check out my website, iantrottier.com. iantrottier.com slash radio, and you'll find all my past guests. You'll find them uploaded, all the archived episodes. I don't take sides politically. I don't take sides religiously. But I do take sides when it comes to preserving our freedom of speech, our freedom of press, of religion, and our Constitution. And I do take sides when there's corruption and there's wrongdoing that's going on. Stay transparent. And most importantly, until next week, next Wednesday, 5 o'clock, well, I'll be back. Barbara Lowe Fisher, co-founder and president of the National National Vaccine Information Center and co-author of the book, A Shot in the Dark. Folks, be awesome.